At this time, it's a pleasure for me to introduce uh, our speaker today. Uh, I had the pleasure of taking uh, practitioner studies with Carmian, and I see through his talk this morning, you're in for a treat, that he is totally embodying this teaching, living it, knowing it, and being it. Thank you, Carmian. technology lined up because I'm a geek. So if I'm going to do ministry, I'm going to do it with technology. Yes. So on that inspired note, as I line the technology up, although I don't have the joy of the bride being an hour late, so I don't get to fill in for an hour more. Could you imagine that? But in that moment, as I connect to this truth, as I connect to this realization, this heart center, this heart space, that is through me and as me. And as I connect to this field that is through all, as all, I am reminded and it becomes crystalline that there is one mind, spirit, the divine that shines. And I know that in this moment, this perfectly divine moment, that we have gathered here today for the purpose of reminding revealing that which we already know. And so I celebrate and I am grateful for the honor, the privilege that all of the wisdom that is gathered here, that is sat in seat today, should come and share and play. Play with this word of truth, this realization, this celebration, this connection, this declaration, this revelation, this realization. And I set forth this simple command, this simple demand. May I be allowed to serve this day. Mm. And knowing that in the moment I recognize, claimed, unified with the divine being through and as me, through and as everyone gathered here, therein was that state of gratitude. Therein was that knowing that release and knowing it is done, I invite you to join with me by saying the following words. And so it is. Yes. Okay, we're alive. That's good. So, I want to talk today. The talk title is From Scared to Sacred. From Scared to Sacred. And as you can no doubt imagine, this is more than just a cute play on words and moving letters around, right? Well, I'm thinking it may be a book title. But I have been doing some deep contemplation. And you know, these teachings, we have been, we have inherited, we stand upon the shoulders of greats. New thought is not really such a new thought. But we stand upon the shoulders of the greats. And that this teaching is really about something that is practical. It is a mystical religion. It is a mystical teaching. So it has to be practical because mysticism is about living the divine. And so as someone who is in ministerial studies, I've got a year left. I graduate summer 2014 and then I'll be going and working to create community. But I'm here right now getting some practicing, growing with you all. But as I'm getting ready for that journey, I am observing the world around me. And it's very easy when we go through the spiritual path. I know when I first started, I got into this need, my personal need, to not watch the news. Anyone resonate with that? 
Now, I'm not going to watch the news right now. And that was perfect for me at the time. I needed to do it. I needed to put it down because I hadn't really worked up, you know, my spiritual clarity. I hadn't worked out that truth, that knowing, that strength. So I needed to put this little fence around. And so I stopped reading the news. I stopped reading the newspaper. I stopped watching the news on television. And that really served me. And it was perfect at the time. But you know what? Now I'm stepping into ministry, into spiritual leadership. So I better be ready to be facing that. Because in terms of being in spiritual leadership, there are going to be people walking through the doors of our centers asking questions. There are these real conditions of the human experience, as Martin talked about. How do I confront that? How do I deal with that? How do I understand that? How do I process that? How do I assimilate that into my psyche, into who I am, how I see the world? When there are conversations around the water cooler, if I happen to turn on someone was saying to me earlier, I was getting my hair cut and, you know, there was CNN. And what he was seeing at that time was about Syria. And that's what I want to touch in on today. Syria, huh? So you, have, you may be aware, if you've been watching the news, and if you haven't, I'll give you a quick little bring up to speed, but there's been a civil war in Syria for two and a half years, right? And this has escalated as of late because the word is that chemical weapons have been used. And what was really profound for me was then watching the ensuing story around this. Now, I don't have the facts. I'm not in Syria. I don't know for sure what's going on, but I'm hearing lots of story, right? And this is on the macro level. You take it down to the personal level, we get our own story, but there's also the bigger story, and I'm hearing lots of story. And then the story escalates to the U.S. weighing in with their opinion. Well, I think we should fire missiles, and we should hurt more Syrians. Really? And so I'm sitting with that, the idea of using force, hurting people to get them to stop hurting people, okay, and all of the justification and rationale. And for me, then, as I'm processing this, I spend quite a bit of time on Facebook. Is anyone who's not heard of Facebook? Okay, not heard of Facebook. Okay, it's just like this big website that you can go on and you put your face. It's like a book of faces. So you put your face and then you talk about, so you can connect, you can say what's going on today, all right? Just like a, a place to go and share, you know, something you've seen or something you're thinking about. And people, of course, are sharing their observations of the Syrian war and the chemical weapons and their opinions about what to do and their opinions about, well, maybe this is a good idea to fire some missiles. And I'm, I'm watching this, I'm observing this. And one thing I know is that the truth comes from within and opinion comes from without. So outside, I'm hearing all this opinion. I'm reading all this opinion. And so there I am with my truth, and I figure, well, I'm not going to go onto someone else's opinion and share my opinion about their opinion. I'm just going to go and put a little post out of my own. I'm going to share my opinion because as someone moving into spiritual leadership, I'm contemplating this, and I feel I've got something to say. So this is what I start off by saying. To presume that there must be violence to end violence in Syria is to see Syrians as lesser than they truly are. It's our teachings, right? I, for one, believe that universal love is the answer regardless of how painful it may be to awaken to and realize the truth. An eye for an eye, and the whole world goes blind. So those of you who are familiar with playing in the world of Facebook... You might not be surprised to hear that the response was rapid and the response was firm. So to that, I was first of all invited to look to history. 
Look to history, look to Bosnia, look to World War II. Okay. Then, you know, amongst the comments, I think the one that definitely made me smile, go ahead and give peace a chance. I'll stay back here and cover you in case it doesn't work out. Okay. So I'm watching this, and so I'm processing this opinion, right? And I'm honoring it because it's the truth of the people who are sharing. I'm very clear I don't want to judge it. It's not for me to judge what they're sharing. It's their story. It's their experience. And all I've done is share my experience. And you know what, people? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And that's okay. That's an invitation for me to be present. But after a while, I had a follow-up. I recall a small Indian man bringing down an empire's rule. He witnessed tens of thousands killed. He lived beneath the worst tyranny imaginable. He offered nonviolence as the cure. He found peace within barbarism and tyranny. He proved that love will always prevail. His name was Gandhi. See, look, I didn't even have to tell you. And I, for one, believe that his was the relevant message. If pointing to past choices is going to drive your worldview, then don't be surprised if you encounter violence begetting yet more violence. If one happens to believe that everyone is God individualized, that means that everyone involved has a choice. Yes, some choices are destructive, but love will always prevail. I pray for peace. I accept that attaining peace will sometimes be painful, very painful, because we each have choice. But I know that universal love will prevail. So, Following that, the story then continued because one of the people who had been advocating the use of missiles, now he's got some skin in the game because his wife is Syrian. And this is someone who before this conversation, I never would have, you know, like taken that them for having this position of let's fire missiles, right? It was a bit, but then I, I got more context what his wife's there and he's got a lot of involvement and he, he really cares about the whole thing. And then to my utter respect for him, he posted an article to a, a blog, an opinion, on CNN.com. And it was by a chap called Professor Reagan of the Kroc Institute for International Peace Studies, University of Notre Dame. And you know what he concluded? He concluded that research shows that intervention in civil wars accounts for a 50% increase in the length of war. Huh. So clearly that first opinion to look to history was perhaps not such a good opinion. All right. So then I'm contemplating that, and I, I've printed out the article, and I'm reading it, and I'm going, okay, well, okay. And then I see another video. I see a video. A guy's put together like this video montage, and he's, it's titled, Senator Kerry Misleading the World, Misleading UN, Misleading the People. And it starts off with Senator Kerry, Senator Kerry saying, we sent a notice to the Syrian government to accept and allow inspectors to examine evidence of chemical warfare. We sent that on Thursday morning. They didn't reply until Sunday afternoon. How seriously do you think they're taking this? I mean, come on, people. Immediately following this, then there was another video of a UN press secretary who was going, actually, no, we didn't get it to the Syrians till Saturday afternoon. Huh, really? I don't care what the facts are. I don't care who is talking the truth. What I know is that's yet one more example of the media does not have a track record of consistency. And credit to this guy who's showing two video bits of evidence completely contradicting each other. And that really struck me. And so as I was sitting with that, I was thinking, you know, I really am feeling drawn to write about it. I do a lot of writing. And I've been writing for a blog, which is just an online journal. 
And I've actually, I just received on Friday the author copy of the book, my first book, Know the Flow. And this is really exciting. It's a, it's a dream come true for me, really an example of creation, set the intention, it's become a thing. And this is talking about my personal story from being a sh someone who's bumping into these teachings to then moving through to becoming serious about it, to realizing I have a purpose, going into ministry, and quite honestly, this is really what I want to do. And I knew I had to write. I knew I had to go and blog about this. And so I decided in that moment, well, I'll go and do a, just look around a bit more. So I go into Google News. And what do you know? Just that day, Senator Kerry had made an off-the-cuff comment, was how it was being presented, well, if Syria, Syria could avoid a U.S. missile strike if they give their chemical weapons over to international control. Okay, cool. So they could avoid. So suddenly, in an off-the-cuff comment that he hadn't really planned, it had just come out apparently, there was a, a potential avenue for peace. Day before, there was no consideration. The only option was to just fire missiles. Look at that. And I was really struck with a realization I, I just don't know what I don't know. When it comes to being the Secretary of State or the President of the United States, I have no idea what it is like to wield and be, have that much responsibility and be working with that kind of power in the material world. I have no idea. And so I'm certainly not going to throw any stones at that particular glass house. Because it's got to be insanely challenging. And you know, there may be some who still feel that well, because it's just all so bad, we should still intervene anyway. There'll be some who still have opinions. And yet every single opinion I was seeing, I guess because I was set in the intention of embodying peace and love, I was seeing all of these things coming back just to remind me. You know these opinions you're hearing? Well, actually, not really as solid as those who are expressing them would like to believe. Huh. So I'm sharing them with you today. So what's this all about today? There's a lot of reasons to be scared, and that's just one example. But this is about going from scared to sacred, right? So I believe, I know that it is time for a more profound vision. What I know is that the human race is evolving. And in that evolution, I decided to go and take a look around once more. And so, you've got to love the internet, right? There's a whole ton of information. And it's really sort of having that intention to turn the information into knowledge and then make it wisdom. But I was inspired, and very quickly I found uh, and some research around domestic U.S. crime. Crime has declined in the United States since the 1990s, and current crime rates are approximately the same as those in the 1960s. Huh, really? That's very interesting. So I decided to go broader. What about war deaths? What about war? The last decade has seen fewer war deaths than any decade in the past 100 years, based on data compiled by researchers at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. Worldwide, deaths caused by war-related violence in the new century have averaged about 55,000 per year, just over half of what they were in the 1990s, a third of what they were during the Cold War, and one hundredth of what they were in World War II. Wow. So you think about that. Take that in for a minute. There is empirical evidence for those of you who are into the scientific worldview that we are evolving. We are becoming more peaceful. 
And so as I was thinking about this talk, I was reminded of a talk where one of the images or one of the, the sort of speakers or raiders on my vision board of being a minister, he delivered this famous speech and he said, I have a dream. And I realized, no, 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 I'm gonna, it's time to transcend that because I have a knowing. I have a knowing. I believe that we are evolving. I am feeling it within myself. I am experiencing it within communities. And even the scientific worldview is backing it up. Not everyone's getting it, but that's okay. We're evolving. I also believe at the end of a lifetime, when I'm done, when I make transition, all of the experiences, my soul is the container of continuity. So all of the experiences, all of the memories, all of the choices, all of the intention will be bared as I step from this soul for, school for the soul and I am just now transcended and there's just this review. And I believe there's within that review, my progress, my awareness is sort of looked at, my soul, God, I'm just individual divinity. And we come to some conclusion as well. You went to school for the soul, how'd that go? Did you learn anything? Okay, I learned some stuff. If you've gone to war because you believed it was noble, even in the face of a life taken, I believe that love transcends war. Why? Because if your intention was to defend those who cannot defend themselves, there is some grace in that. I've been working for a number of years, taking this topic on and talking about it with you today is a gritty topic because our teachings, it's very easy to get Pollyannic and not really deal with the real stuff, but this is the real world. And I imagine many of you watch the media, watch the news, and like you may be asking, how do you deal with this? And I suddenly realized that it is noble to defend those who cannot defend themselves, but nobler still to transcend the need to defend in the first place. And that is the evolution I am suggesting, I am presenting to you today. That is where we're going. We are transcending the need to defend. Transcending the need to defend. So it's interesting. Who's to say that the prayers and meditation and that evolution for peace didn't build an energy that inspired Senator Kerry that day? I know that on Facebook, I got involved and invited into a number of prayer groups and meditation groups and suddenly found myself connecting with thousands of people around the world, sharing their stories of how this meditation group had got together and was praying for peace and sharing their recordings of the work that they had done and finding myself leading meditations, writing prayers, getting involved and being uplifted and realizing there's this wonderful rising tide of love and embodiment of peace. And wow, watching Facebook and technology not being used for porn, but for love. Wonderful. Another sign of evidence. And who's to say that that prayer and meditation work around the world didn't somehow nudge that off-the-cuff comment because do you think that anything is coincidence? Do you believe that this is not all an emanation of God and that everything that happens is that unfolding and returning to that realization of one? I believe that's the case. Who's to say my prayer alone didn't make that shift? It doesn't matter. What I know is I'm watching and experiencing and witnessing this evolution, and I don't know about you, but it lifts me up, and that makes me feel good. And it reminds me and reinforces and inspires me as to the truth of what's going on, and that is exciting. These are exciting times to be in. 
Exciting times to be alive. And I was reminded of the story then that, well, actually take a step back. This realization, who's to say these prayers did not have an impact. These teachings are based on a core premise of spiritual realization. Spiritual realization being where you come to a knowing a knowing that thought creates things and that there is an infinite potential within you to create. This is termed from one perspective as mysticism. This is about embodying a mystical truth. Mysticism is about that direct experience of oneness of God within you. I'd imagine many of you in here have had at least one mystical moment. Some point where you've just connected and you've felt something, you've seen something, you've known something. And when you have that moment, it's amazingly powerful. And if you have more, even more powerful. And you know what happens when you have that moment? No one can come along to you and say, well, that's not the truth. Why? Because you've had a direct experience. You're not, we're not in the field of opinion anymore. You're in the field of experience. But I know as I've gone through classes, through uh, teaching, you know, there, there's actually one course specifically focused on the idea of what the mystics knew. And mysticism comes up because it's a part of the science of mind. And I was reminded, though, I remember when I was first getting into this, it was like, well, I haven't had a mystical experience. Oh, these people talking about the light, you know, and the good thing. And I'm like, I haven't had this. Like, what's going on? And I'm sure I'm not alone in that, right? But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus, and don't worry about the Bible as a literal story. There's beautiful metaphysical truth within this. Jesus of Nazareth, as after he's been crucified and he's resurrected, he's got a big wound in his side, and the story of Thomas goes, Thomas comes up and goes, wow, oh my God. Wow, are you alive? And doesn't believe it. Puts his hand in his side. Oh, incorporeal. Like, wow. Jesus is now pure vibration, pure light, just manifest in form. And Jesus turns around to Thomas and says, Blessed are those who have not seen but believe. Blessed are those who have not seen but believe. It's a win-win, people. Because you don't have to have had the mystical experience to be able to transform the world around you. You just have to know. You have to set the intention. We set the intention and we chip away at consciousness, right? We chip away. Some of us get big wows. Some of us work on it. But blessed are those who have seen but, who have not seen but believe. Holmes, Ernest Holmes, our founder in his last days, he saw great possibilities for this movement. You may be aware of our integration that we went through recently from two organizations into one. Beautiful story because that happened back in around 1961. In the years preceding that, Holmes saw it happening. And this is what he said at a seminar in 1959. The danger of our movement will not be in its teaching, but in the freedom of its teaching. The freedom of its teaching, right? Because most people mistake liberty for license and unity for uniformity. Thought creates things. You have the liberty to manifest the experience that you want. But you also have consequence. If you act in a way that is against the greater good, you bring about harm, there's consequence for that. And unity for uniformity. We are a teaching of oneness. We're a teaching of unity. But that doesn't mean we need to go lockstep in a pace and cadence of dogma. You know, oh, it must be this way. This is about being open the top, about re re understanding that we're evolving. What we understand as mystical truth today will evolve. And he was saying this. And then he said, if our movement wants to shatter itself on the rocks of experience, it is none of my business and I can't help it. Kind of surprising quote, right? He's sounding a little bit sad there. I used to think I could. 
one, out of this may or may not evolve in the next 100 years what the world really needs. It won't be up to me. It will be up to our future leaders and teachers. And I don't know about you, but when I read that as a ministerial student in ministerial class, hearing the mystical founder saying, there is this movement, and this movement is evolving, and there will be leaders that will come after me that will have that grace of God and will have that consciousness and as a human race we will have evolved and this teaching will make a profound difference because we are saying something that very few religious organizations are. We are saying thoughts create things and really anything is possible. This is a teaching for this new age and you know it really comes down to this. When I say I have a knowing, my knowing is this. It is for us to embody peace and universal love. It's simple as that. Let us use this teaching. Let us have a knowing. Within this teaching, the idea of realization, spiritualization, which is just having that knowing, right? I just know. This is something that has been talked about a lot. And as I've studied the history of our teachings of new thought, which is really not that new a thought, but it was a couple of hundred years ago, relatively speaking, there's a realization Emma Curtis Hopkins, Quimby, Ernest Holmes were all saying, the realization method is just, you know what you know. You're just saying, I know. So by saying, let us embody peace, you can just know that. And blessed are those who have not even seen, but that believe. So I would sort of say an evolution of that statement is, blessed are those who have not, have not seen, but know. Transcend belief and move to conviction. Have that certainty. When you know you're certain, when you have realization, you abandon into God, recognizing oneness, recognizing that this is an invitation to a divine and mystical experience. We are a mystical religion. I struggled for a while claiming the word religion because religion is kind of like a bit muddled out there as a word, right? Lots of energy and vibration around the word religion. But here was what I know. I have an infinite potential to claim and to use and to transform the world around me. So I'm claiming that word religion and saying this is a mystical religion. This is a religion and a spiritual community that is inviting and encouraging and reminding everyone who cares to walk through the doors that you have exactly what you need to have your own divine mystical experience. We're not going to tell you how to think, but we're going to say somewhere over there, there is something amazing. Just try some stuff out and you will work it out for yourself and we will be there with you every step of the way. This is a teaching of empowerment. And the simple message today is embody. Empower yourself by making the choice that whenever you see the news, you simply have to embody, to know. And at first, you might be chipping away with it and that's okay because every, I believe, every instant, every momentary thought, every fleeting instant when you went, I'm peace, I know there's peace, I'm love. That is more than enough. That is contributing. It's not a linear thing. And then I realized that this sense of oneness that is penetrating my entire being, there's an opportunity for evolution. It's not about having mystical moments. It's about moving into a mystical constant where it is just a mystical experience all the time knowing oneness. And I'll forget, I'll forget, I'll remember, I'll remember, I'll forget, I'll forget. But it'll be an evolution and I'll chip away. And at some point, I am moving into a mystical constant. And that is what we are collectively moving towards as the human race. And when we do this, this is where we will collectively transcend this experience. This is what Plotinus, New Platonic Philosophy, was saying about 1,800 years ago. 
And this is what is being said today. This is ancient wisdom, ironically called new thought. It's nothing new. So here's the call to action. I don't just have a dream. I have a knowing. I have a knowing. I have a knowing that it is for me to embody peace and to embody universal love. I have a knowing that every single person here, that when we come together collectively, we lift each other up. Reason why I found myself coming back to spiritual community, coming through the doors each week, going, class, going to classes, reading books, surrounding myself with people that would remind me, was because I was going through a process of chipping away. At first, I sat down watching the news, and then I picked it up again. And I found when I picked it up again, I was lifted. I was a bit more aware. Every single one of you has this already within you. We are all on different stages on our journey. And yet, doesn't matter where you are on that journey, on that continuum, if you're just taking a sip of the mystical waters for the first time, if they are the mystical waters, the mystical experience is a promised land through to embodying a mystical constant, each and every person that steps into that truth, each and, and even in this moment we've come together and if there's that left brain of yours that wants to have the facts and the scientific rationale and, and the reasoning, I've given you some evidence today, some empirical evidence that says we are evolving, we are moving into a magnificence, and that it really is a choice for each and every one of us to wake up and to remind ourselves of that. We've had a little reminder today, and I invite you as you go forward into the world, from this moment into the moments that will be unfolding through time, to embody that peace embody that universal love, remember and be uplifted from the science that is reflected. But more importantly, look within, because really there's nothing I'm telling you that you don't already know. I just happen to have remembered it in a certain way and be sharing it with you. But you know the truth is the truth is the truth. And so I invite you, have a knowing. Be a part, be that evolution, embody that peace, embody that universal love. And on that note, I love and bless you. Namaste.